Well, it's the last of them, Mr. Carey. This has been a long week, Dr. Bramson. I must have worn out your machine. I needed two full sets of pictures, spaced several days apart. I, I had to compare them before I... before I could be sure. Sure of what, Doctor? What is it? Relax, Doctor. You can't tell me anything I haven't imagined. You are getting smaller. Best to understand it, Mr. Carey. There's no medical precedent for what's happening to you. I, I simply know that you're getting smaller. We're going to go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter death's waiting room, if you dare. Welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And hey guys, it's Terry here. And I hope you enjoyed our conversation last week about Twilight Zone, the movie. Um, and thanks to Steve for coming on the show. It was a lot of fun. Um, and I felt like that was a a um, well-earned um, victory lap for the Twilight Zone for us. So I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was great. I, I love the movie. And uh, you know, if you guys were able to listen to it, awesome. If you haven't, get back to your job, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say to follow up from that episode, uh, we had some we had some laughs about um, uh, Anthony and, and the it's a good life segment having people eat uh, peanut butter or hamburgers, right? Uh, well, uh, Terry and I ended up uh, in another state this past this past weekend because we're friends we're friends sometimes in real life, and we just, we just stopped at a, like a, a local eatery and we noticed that there was an actual burger on the menu that had like sriracha peanut butter and something jelly. Something, something. It was a peanut butter burger, and I did not order it. But, you know, it could have been good. The rest of the food we had was quite good. I I was very tempted, but at the same point, I'm like, I'm still hungry, though. So if I don't want this piece of shit, I'm not going <laughs> to eat it. <laughs> it was like the chef was named Anthony, and it's like, oh, this is very good, Anthony. It's very, very good. Mm. No. So, uh, so yeah, that, that was our discussion there. We're going to – so we've kind of talked about this a little bit. Uh, for the rest of the year, for the the year of our our rod uh, 2021, uh, we're going to actually this is a, this is a Twilight Zone podcast that watched the Twilight Zone sequentially in order. We just wrapped up season five, the original series. We've covered both seasons of Jordan Peele's CBS produced um, you know series as well. We're going to be moving into the 80s series in the beginning of uh, 2022 in January. Uh, so we got some time between here and there. So we're going to go on some different detours. I hope you guys will join us uh, for that. And we're going to talk about what we're going to do next. But again, we're also open to suggestions. We'll talk more about that at the end as well. So with that being said, uh, one, one of our listeners, uh, Carol, suggested that we should cover uh, The Incredible Shrinking Man. And we're like, yes, we need to do that. Because not only is it a cool movie, uh, spoiler, it's my first time watching it for this for this uh, for this series. Shame on you. I know that shame on me. But it has actually a lot of connections to the Twilight Zone in the sense that it is Richard Matheson. It's actually uh, probably one of the things that got him like into um, the arena of writing for the screen. 
right? So without this, I don't know if we've gotten him on the Twilight Zone. That's quite possible, yeah. That's that. So yeah, luckily he did. Uh, but yeah, this is a film I have uh, adored ever since I was a child. I grew up with my grandparents, and this is right along the side of uh, all the other things that they exposed me to, like the day the Earth stood still, and them, and. Uh, countless other atomic age films but i've always been drawn to this film and i absolutely adore it yeah it's uh it's a good one to get to i remember seeing the incredible shrinking woman from the 80s with lily tomlin when i was growing up and just not really understanding i know it's supposed to be part of a satire but it's still that terrified me as a kid like and we'll get into like this movie just like (laughs) i i was really uncomfortable moments watching this film and rightfully so because there's a lot here that you know, as a grown up, you get older, you're like, wow, that's that's way worse than you could possibly imagine. So, yeah, we're going to be talking about uh, The Incredible Shrinking Man uh, this episode. It, um, it's it's actual release date. It's a little fuzzy. There was a New York release date and a Los Angeles release date. I'm going to go with the wide distribution date of April 29, 1957, when it actually got opened up for the rest of the country. So I, I, that's what I'll say. That's whenever the most people could have access to it. Uh, so number one song um, is All Shook Up by Elvis Presley. Uh, number one film was Funny Face. Uh, it's a musical with Audrey Hepburn and Fred Astaire. Um, I watched the trailer. Not for me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've never even heard of this. Uh, it's it's one of those like, you know, like old, like I'd say old Hollywood, but it's from 57, right? But it's like one of those, just, you know, um, musicals. Like I just... And I mean, obviously, Fred Astaire is really, really great with tap dancing. And so it's like, if that's if that's your jam, this is one of those ones people probably adore. Not my jam. So fine. Uh, I couldn't really find anything for like like day of because um, the Internet gets a little weird sometimes. However, I'll just give a point of reference. So this was April 29th when this like wide release. May 3rd of 1957, uh, Brooklyn Dodgers owner Walter O'Malley agrees to move the team from Brooklyn, New York to Los Angeles. So that was a big deal because that was the first time. Uh, baseball actually moved to the West Coast, and that became a huge thing. So that opened up baseball to the rest of the country. Then that, you know, helped keep cementing its legacy. You know, so it was a big deal. Yeah, yeah uh, I'm glad that they finally got a baseball team. They probably should have changed the name when they moved it, but whatever. Do you know what the Dodgers stands for in Dodgers? I think it has something to do with dodging traffic. And yeah, that. they were the trolley Dodgers, right? But if they went to um, like San Francisco, that would have made more sense because there's trolleys there. But right. they went to Los Angeles, which I, maybe they had. Well, actually, you know what? Um, who framed Roger Rabbit, right? That was dealing with San Francisco. Uh, was that San Francisco? No, yeah. oh, I thought that was LA. Anyway, I was going to say there was trolleys in that. I just, I don't know my trolley history, evidently. Well, we used no. to have trolley, like real trolleys here in uh, the Cleveland area as well. And I used to have them in Detroit. I mean, they've been around in other areas too. So yeah, that's, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. So. so anyway, that was, that was a big deal. So that's what I had for, for day and date. Um, all right, let's just get into uh, this uh, cast and crew. All right. So here uh, we got our director is uh, Jack Arnold. Um, a lot of people might know his work because uh, he directed Creature from the Black Lagoon and Revenge of the Creature from the Black Lagoon. Um, it's because of uh, that uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon is that he had some of the ability to do this film and then move pieces and parts around. We'll get into that later, though. He also did This Island Earth and Tarantula, which has some other links to our <laughs> cast here. Yeah. Uh, so I, I was reading up on him. This is interesting. He... I uh, was going to become a pilot in the, in the service, right? But then a shortage of planes meant he was temporarily placed in the Signal Corps, where he took a crash course in cinematography. He then became a cameraman and learned the techniques of filmmaking uh, on various military films. So he actually went on to do a, um, a documentary that actually like won an Oscar. 
and that's kind of where he started going from there. But he loved sci-fi, and a lot of people consider The Incredible Shrinking Man to kind of be his masterpiece. But I, for, but I think The Creature from a Black Lagoon is the most like the, the more well-known of the two. I would say so. Yes. Yeah. It, uh, I. But the filming, the filming there with some of the underwater sequences there are just, I don't understand how they did them. I know that the guy playing the creature in the first film was really good at holding his breath because he had to. Uh, but some of that, because I ended up seeing that uh, it a few years ago, they did a, a restored version and they did it in 3D. So watching a black and white 3D film is interesting, but some of that underwater stuff is just amazing with I, that. I feel like that movie is just magical. I absolutely adore it. Um, I just I saw it in uh, 3D as well at a, a local event here where they do 12 hours of horror films, and that was one of the the films that they did. It looks beautiful, um, but yeah, I, I had no idea that Jack Arnold did both uh, that and this film, and I was like, well, damn, it makes sense. Yeah, but like after this, he really wanted to like do a lot of. He did more TV later, like he did some westerns and stuff like that. But it seems like this film was kind of like. It had this upward arc to everybody involved, and then it nothing really ever came. Like for a lot of people here, nothing ever hit higher for them. It's a weird thing because this film's been well received, you know. But that that might just be the bias of genre at the time. Yeah, I, it's weird how that worked out. Yeah, but uh, then yeah. So as you were uh, t- uh, speaking towards a moment ago, uh, our writer on this is uh, Mr. Richard Matheson. Uh, me, I think we might all know him at this point. If you've been listening to yeah. our, our podcast net, you might know who we, this gentleman is. We talked about him a lot last week too, because he wrote um, two of the segments for the film, right? Uh, but yeah, this I just found out. Like I, I was learning, reading about this movie that this he sold the rights to Universal on the condition that he wrote the screenplay, and so this was his first screenplay. And I like the note here it says a writing format he felt he adapted too quickly. Hooray! And I would agree with that statement as well. But yeah, that was like he was like here, and then the book got published while the film was being produced which that's not unusual like there's sometimes there's films like film rights that get bought by like books that like the publishers will kind of like feed out to the studios and be like this is some good shit you need to get on this now like um Stephen King when he became like big Christine was already in the pipeline the book hadn't even been published yet and that was getting like we need a movie now like that happens sometimes but yeah. not I mean it happens still a little bit now but not as much because I think the turnaround times that stuff is yeah, I don't know. I think it takes longer to make movies now than it did at one point. But whatever, it is what it is. Well, then certain things uh, like, like if you, especially if you talk about series and that, um, Game of Thrones and Walking Dead, they were like outpacing the the, the books and, yeah. and, and the stories themselves. But uh, so yeah, and then our our screenplay here adapted by Richard Allen Simons. Um, Simmons, Simmons. Yeah, I think Simmons. It, it, Simmons. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, he also did the screenplay, apparently for the original screenplay for Major Pain, which got reworked. Yeah, that's that was my only note. Like he actually went in and did, did a little bit of additional writing on the on this film, uh, but it's, he did a lot of TV and some film writing. But it said last credit was an earlier screenplay of Major Pain, and if he didn't write the line like "Give me your finger." Like that would be, I don't know. Like I would have guessed it was probably more of a serious movie. And they're like, no, 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 no. Now we're going to make it a comedy. We're gonna, Damon <laughs> Wayne's is going to be, yeah, gonna be yeah, in this. Please yeah. chill. Uh, and also the Island of Dr. Moreau. So, yeah. and then our cast, we go here. We've got Grant Williams, uh, plays Scott K- uh, Carey. Um, he was in an episode of the Munsters, but 50 episodes yeah, 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 of Hawaiian yeah. Eye. This is the mother load. We uh, made like, it. Just this all, is it. <laughs> this this just um, this just blew my mind like one of these. 
my mind just popped. Like I was doing the research and it was like, so after he, cause he, he, this was his height of his film career. And like, for which blows my mind because the guy's good in this. And he has, he has that look of like lead actor. Right. Um, yeah, de- de- just, definitely befitting of that time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like there's, there is a type that was being cast and he was perfect for that, but he went on to just do TV and he ended up, uh, having a continuing role as private Greg McKenzie on Hawaii and I did 50 episodes. So that was always the running, one of the running jokes with the original series of the twilight zone. We find these Hawaiian eye connections, which is like obviously the detective show set in Hawaii, which, um, also, one of his last TV appearances was a Family Feud episode that was a cash reunion of Hawaii and I. Get out of here! Yeah. Uh, so, sure. Like this was like we. I, I just tripped into this. And I was just like, just I don't know. It's like you, you like. It's like it's like Jed Clampett. I hit. It's like. There's black gold everywhere. It's just Hawaiian eye. Uh, yeah, like, I almost ripped my shirt off and started spinning it around the house. And then I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> we did it. We struck. Um, we found the we found the vein." Like you know, like, uh, you know, like <laughs> um, and then, so next year, moving on, we got uh, Randy Stewart. Uh, Randy uh, plays Louis 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 yeah. Carey. Yeah. This is Scott's wife. Um, two episodes of Hawaii and I herself. Yes. And then she was in an episode of one step beyond. She feels like she also had like a very uh, similar career curve. Like he did. Like, it's like they, they hit like this accolades and then it is kind of didn't get a lot of movie work and this kind of slowly, like, like they consistently worked and had TV work. It just, again, just like everything else we're talking about here, like something about this movie, everyone was like, good job. Nah, yeah, it's like it just whatever. And, and we'll hold on to your resume. Don't call us; we'll call you. Yeah, because she definitely had the similar look too. I thought I had seen her in something else before, but yeah, I, I thought I thought she was in the. I, I was like, this she had to have been in the Twilight Zone, like so. And she had yeah. a very like uh, particular voice too. And I'm like, I, I know that uh, apparently it's, I didn't know any of it. It's like that. Like she had shades of like Lucille Ball, like in the mm-hmm. sense of like she had presence she had a little like they gave her a little bit of humor right um but like you're right she had a distinct voice and she had a look and she was very good in this and it's like i don't know why she didn't get more parts yeah. but yeah yeah so it goes and then next here we have uh april kent uh she plays clarice bruce uh nothing much else that i knew of yeah considering but- that she was playing a small person she had just six credits so like they say there's no small parts but mm-hmm. i think that was right so then uh, <laughs> next year uh we have uh paul lankton uh, plays Charlie Ca- uh, Carey, the brother, uh, yeah. brother of Scott. Two episodes of the of uh, the Twilight Zone. He was in uh, Where Is Everybody? The that was the original the pilot. No, not five, sorry, season one, episode one. Yeah, yeah. And then on Thursday we leave from home, which was a season four episode that you liked a great deal. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a pretty good episode. Yeah. And what episode of Hawaii and I? Yeah, and then uh, uh, he was also in the movie It. The terror from beyond space. So I would feel remiss if we didn't mention another atomic age film here. So, and then uh, next here we have Raymond Bailey. Uh, He plays Dr. Thomas Silver, three episodes of the of Twilight Zone, Mm -hmm. the original series. I didn't list them, but (laughs) I know why you did, because the first one was for Magnus with love. Yeah. Uh, Back there, which Mm -hmm. was an okay episode and escape clause, which I like a great deal. And he was also in vertigo. That's right. He played Scotty's doctor because you got typecast as a doctor. Yeah, Yeah. that it works. Um, I only have two more credits here. I didn't know if you wanted to dive into many more. I have a couple more, not much. uh, So uh, William Shatler. 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 Yeah, we just talked about him last week. Yeah, so uh, another doctrinist, Dr. Arthur uh, Bramson, uh, one episode of Twilight Zone. Well, he was in the movie. He was the the father 
and the it's a good life segment. Oh, he was the f- oh okay. Well, I guess so he did too. Yeah, uh, I, um, was he was he in an episode of the Twilight Zone? If he, uh, he's in the eighty series, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have um, what else do I have here? I have uh, uh, Diana Darren as nurse. She's one of the two two nurses there. I just want to point out that I saw that she was in nineteen fifty seven's The Amazing Colossal Man. So she's like, hey guys. You know, I have some experience with this, kind of. And they're like, you should come in the film where the guy gets really big. She's like, I can handle that. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> um, and then um, Billy Curtis as um, a word I'm not going to say. A little um, person. A little person. Um, he, the, he's, his casting credit is the word I, you know, I, you know, I've wisened up in these days to not use that word um, to describe little people. Uh, I think it's important to point out he was in Hitchcock's Saboteur. Uh, he was in, in an 80s episode of the Twilight Zone, so we'll talk about him when we get there. But he plays the character of Mordecai in High Plains Drifter. So he actually has a, like a somewhat important character in that movie because he's a witness to something that had happened in the town's past. And um, yeah, like he's played for like comedic uh, relief, but he also has a little bit more going on. I love High Plains Drifter. Like, uh, I, I, Terry, I don't know if you've seen that film. I don't think you have. I still have not. Mike, I, like, I know you're not the biggest Western guy, but my God, we need to watch High Plains Drifter. That movie's badass. I, I need to be a bigger uh, uh, fan of the, the genre because I just really haven't watched a lot of them. And the ones I have seen, I love. Yeah, um, there you go. I love Tombstone. It's a, a incredible Tombstone's film. great, yeah. Uh, um, but, uh, he, um, or uh, uh, Billy... Right, uh, that's our actor. We're still talking. Billy about. Curtis, yeah, yeah. Billy Curtis was also in The Wizard of Oz, so yeah, he was. Uh, I, I like the story though of all the little people that just like I heard. It sounded like they were just absolute terror to deal with. Like they would party hard, <laughs> like. Uh, but yeah, and then also the last the last credit I have here is Orangey as Butch the cat. So the cat's name was Orangey. They played a pretty big part in this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 30 credits, right? Wow. So Orangey the Cat is the only feline double winner of the Patsy Award. The Animal Kingdom's equivalent of the Oscar. Uh, and why you don't call that the Posker, I don't know. Um, the Patsy Award is given out by the American Humane Association's Hollywood branch. It stands for Picture Animal Top Star of the Year. Orangey won his first Patsy for his cinema debut in Rhubarb, 1951, playing the eponymous baseball um, team owning uh, the baseball team owning cat in that 1951 film. All right, that's sure. Ten years later, he won his second Patsy playing cat. <laughs> and breakfast at Tiffany's. So his portrayal of cat was way less offensive than, um, what was it? Uh, Mickey Rooney's portrayal of an Asian person in that film. Like anyway, so, uh, so it's, it was, he was a homeless feline described as a poor slob without a name. <laughs> like in that, so he's played cat. So I like, I like to see that we're catching him in between his, um, his Patsy awards. Like, I feel like he got the first one when he was young and then he was doing like the DiCaprio thing where he's like, I almost take daring roles. I need to get that other one. <laughs> like, you know, so anyway, orangey, the cat, I think orangey, the cat has more credits than, you know, um, April Kent. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah. Anyway. So the highest decorated person associated with this aside from Richard Matheson is orangey, the cat. Well, I'm glad, and I hopefully hopefully he got entered into the guild. So yeah, <laughs> that right. was the role he had to take to get into the guild. Hope he got all the scriptures that he wanted. Yeah. So yeah, that's all I had for cast members here. So okay, um, yeah. so um, yeah, um, I mean, it's the Incredible Shrinking Man. The, the title kind of. Yeah, we don't have an is. intro yeah, like we yeah, yeah. we would typically have, yeah. like from Rod, because it's not his. <laughs> yeah, it's not his. Uh, yeah, it's just we get the the whole setup here is that we have. Um, 
we we start off with um, an Scott. amazing score and like like these like interesting visuals of the diminishing man in the credits, and we see the the, the cloud, right? But then we get, we we see uh, Scott and Louise on a little boat having a vacation, and as they're out having like a good time, she goes under under like inside the boat to go grab a beer, and there's that fog that just comes in the distance, and it envelops. Um, Scott and like I wrote my notes here like that's why I don't trust glitter because he gets covered in like body glitter but then got the glitter bomb like a glitter bomb (laughs) yeah but then like what was it like six months later um, that's when we find out like we find out later that that wasn't the only thing to possibly affect him off screen we find out that he was actually hit with also pesticides which you're going to talk about you you listen to the audio book of this and I know that goes into that a little bit more Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So the uh, the encounterments are not told in a very linear way. No, so, the book's out, the book is broken up chronologically. The film is chronological. Right. So like we get the like the intro of the book is of him already in like being a smaller like of a smaller frame and everything. He's a little guy now, but it's also going back and forth of when he became infected with this toxin or whatever that's affecting his body. Yeah. And when the doctors do all the research, we find out that uh, not only was he hit with this cloud, but prior to that, there was a uh, truck that was spraying insecticide around and he actually got hit with that. So then that radiation, which was the cloud, uh, altered his cells. Okay. And that's what's causing him to slowly, slowly just shrink in size, right? So... Um, yeah, so that's what this is. It's the struggles of a man who is, um, you know, becoming less by the day and how he, you know, how he reacts to that, um, and how the world reacts to him. Right. So really good setup for a story, especially for a movie. You, you mentioned the atomic age, like this is a little different take on that. Like, cause again, um, you know, w- with all that going on, like science is magic. So everyone's terrified of every possible thing that can happen. Right. Um, yeah, this, um, this this movie is treated a lot more straight faced than I thought it was going to be from the start, and I think that's credit to uh, Arnold and Matheson because the film is very grounded um, and as best it can be for fifty seven and science and reality. How like they're trying to find a rational explanation for what happened, and they kind of do, like and like so, but that doesn't that doesn't help that he still shrinks, you know, and just there's also this personal story and. I don't know about you. Um, my my kind of horror that terrifies me the most is body horror because it feels like if it done well, that feels like it could actually happen. Uh, and with this, with the slow creeping realization of my my bathrobe is too big, like the, this the my that I took this, these pants to the cleaners and they come back and they're not fitting right. Like what's wrong? Like the slow realization that it's like it's not the clothes, it's me. Um, is terrifying to me. Like it just, it's so upsetting. Like I just, bleh, like it, it is, I, it's very scary. I projected so much into this movie that was there, but I'm just like, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Cause your, your, your body is, uh, working against you now. I mean, it is like a perfect analogy for like something like cancer or something like mm-hmm. that. And, you know, something that can't be explained. And of course, when these doctors are all help trying to help out Scott, there's limitations to the science because they don't even know what the hell it is at first. So he's going through the gamut of tests left and right. And, you know, they're running out of money. One of the things that they don't go into so much with the movie is that 
um, Scott and his wife actually just came to the, they just moved recently to the area because um, Scott's brother Charlie has a firm and he is, he's working at the firm. He actually had just started there. Okay. So there's not a whole lot of money. They, they spent a lot of it to move. And so like going through all these tests, it costs money. So as that's all transpiring, Scott is becoming a lot more uh, bogged down with stress. Even and anger. even his position in life is diminishing, right? Because the money's like going. He, his status is diminishing. His relationship with his wife is diminishing. Like it's just, yeah. Like I mean, one of the things that I always think about when it comes to like this kind of stuff and like body horror in general, like my like my all time favorite body horror film uh, to date, until I find something else that absolutely bothers me, is the '86 remake of The Fly with Cronenberg. Um, is that it gets in your head that like, I, no matter what's going on in your life, one day your body is going to fail you. And I don't like thinking about that right now because my birthday's coming up, and you know, you know, whatever, you know, <laughs> things, you know. Um, but it's going to fail you in one way or another. So with this, it's like you you mentioned cancer. You mentioned like it's just like, yeah, this is this is guy's body like betraying him. So what do you do about it? And it's just that is just it's unnerving. And with this, it just happens to be that he is shrinking in size, you know, like you could, you could see that as an analogy for cancer, which I don't think that's what Matheson was going for, but it's very easily apparent, right. To see that. And so then there's all these questions of like, well, what does a diminished man do day to day? Like if he knows that, like, you know, like he, he can reach the top shelf today, maybe not tomorrow. Like where, where do you like, my gosh, it's almost like, um, this is almost like a personification of like Lou Gehrig's disease. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, that's horrific. And maybe I'm projecting too much, but that also kind of feels like someone's getting diminished, even though they're still a person, they can't do what they did the day before. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's plenty of diseases that break down the nervous system and all that. And it's like, I mean, this is, it's not only like the, the, the possibility that he can't do these physical things, but he can't provide for his family too. Yes. And, and that, like th- in this, the movie is a lot more stripped down. Like the book, if anybody has a chance, please read the book. It's really incredible, but they, they go the incredible book of a shrinking man. Right. Yeah. So, but like Scott, you know, it talks about the struggle of not being able to go to work and he's getting smaller and smaller. They have a daughter in the book and they, they can't like, he cannot help take care of her anymore so they have to get a babysitter even though he's there like there's all of these things that's kind of like the domino effect of each day there's something else that he can't provide or do for his family and it's like scott becomes a lot more angry and frustrated with the fact that not only can he not do these things but no one can provide him with an answer and he didn't do anything you know what i'm saying like it wasn't a conscious decision like he was messing around with like radioactive yeah. material or something like, and it like he did it to himself, you know? Yeah. He's like, I'm going to make this glitter bomb. Oh no. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I like, I think if they would have added the kid into this, that would have been like, it would have shown that dynamic a little Ooh. bit more. Cause then you could have had like some really upsetting side by sides of him being the same size as the kid. And it's like, who, how do you, how do you deal with this? Right? right. Like just cause the kid doesn't understand, you know? And I'm sure that goes in the book more about that too. Like just, Oh my gosh. Like just, um, the, the idea of the house cat though, which is brought in early. Like, so you see him like a lot, right? Like, and I just, I, I think a missed opportunity was not having a saddle on the cat and riding it around. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, just there, like 
the way that this movie is set up, though, where we have him, we find out there's a problem, and then we cut to the brother talking to him, and that's when we get that big brawl of of him sitting in the like the easy chair, but he's much smaller. It's like you, you show that time has progressed, which is fine. Like, like again, I think body horror works if it's over time. Like, I don't like like um, within seconds. Like the you know, it's just it's like that's metabolism. Like that's not how that stuff works, right? Um, that's why the fly works because it takes a break in the middle of the movie and like it, you, the characters are away from each other for two months. If I remember right, like the movie picks right up like two months later. Right. And with this, it's like, we're seeing him like weeks later. And then again, later we're seeing him weeks later, you know, uh, after he gets the serum that supposedly helps. And then it just, it delays. Like my question is why didn't he try a second shot? But whatever. Anyway, um, and there's a, there's yeah. an interesting bit that happens there too. Yeah. So you know, like him, uh, he's being ke- he's keeping a journal of keeping uh, the recollections of everything that he's going through and all that. And he finally gets a phone call, which they've changed their number up to this point too because the the news is caught in wind of this. And they're well, because because the, then the brother admit like, hey, you guys are out of money. You need to go public and make some money. Right. That's because the, the brother yeah. was giving them basically an allowance. And then things happen at work. And he's like, dude, I can't, I can't pay you anymore. Yeah. Like this is the best, the best I can do for you right now. You might want to think of other options. So he does some of those, you know, news reports and all that stuff, and you know, whatever. And he's done with it. He's like, I just he he wants to be reclusive. He doesn't want to have to deal with anyone. He doesn't want to have to be a freak. And that's when everybody is still like stationed outside of his house, and he looks outside the blinds and. Everybody's sitting out there, like, "Is he gonna come out today? Yeah. How small is he now?" I just, I almost wish the film would have also maybe had him do an interview on camera or something like that. Way you could have gotten more of the people like looking at him like a freak, like, mm-hmm. and him kind of reflecting it out a little bit. Because I don't know, like, and this movie's only like an hour and twenty minutes. Like, not that I'm saying it needed to be on forever and ever and ever. But I think like it got the plight across where we had like the news crew outside. I like I'm not saying it's not without like you got it right. But there's the bit of him walking around later where he's just like out for like a walk that night and everybody's just like, huh, <laughs> like look at him walking by. And it's a decent enough effect. Like it's it's the best you can do for the budget of the time at 57. And it looks perfectly okay. And like, I, lo- yeah. I love all the scaled items too. Yeah. You know, him being oh. in the chairs, him holding a pencil. A, yeah. Him picking up the phone. Like, like we had talked about was the last night of a jockey, how that um, changed the size three times. Right. And it was, I was thinking of this movie yeah. during that, the, that sequence that uh, he was going through. I was like, Wow, this is perfect. It's exactly if only, if only a regular size, um, you know, Mickey Rooney came through and just knocked him down a point. Like that have been like, I'm the big man now, and Mickey Rooney's like, you know, whatever. That would have been <laughs> I wanted to be big. Yeah, but it's like he's the same size as he really yeah. is anyway. That would have been like, yeah. And then like when you were like you were just saying though, he he runs away from from home. Like he's just he's so fed up and he just wants to be alone and just experience the world a little bit because he's been in the house. He's been locked up for a while. So when he finally goes out, there's a fair that he sees. And I, I like that they put him, again, for scale, next to a garbage can. And yeah. he's just slightly shorter than what the garbage can lid would be. Yeah. So it's perfect. The props work in this is really good. Hell really, yeah. really, really, really good. Um, 
Yeah, especially in like the the last third of the film, some of the props in this and some of the skill work is amazing for what it is. Uh, but yeah, like when he when he goes to the the freak show and sees it going on, and he you know he's like, "Well, I'm not a freak." And he goes to the diner and grabs like he grabs a cup of coffee that's the same size that Mike Myers grabs at the beginning of So I Married an Action. Um, <laughs> One <laughs> man. Yeah, he's just like, oh, I, I, he's like. Good thing I didn't ask for a larger, whatever he says <laughs> in that movie. But that's when he meets the other person who, um, that's that's the movie's attempt at trying to have another little person. Um, like, it's just, it, you know, it probably would have behooved them to actually have a little person play against. But I get it. You Some of the, the, the split screens or whatever. And also you want him to see her. He sees himself as normal, though he's now smaller. So she looks, you know, relatively normal to him. Who was Clarice. And that's, you know, they have a nice like moment of where he's like, I can still be human and still. And then he, when he goes to like put her coat on, it's like he's feeling like he can do something again. So that's nice. Um, I know in the book that like that relationship goes on a little bit more. Yes. Um, and I know that she has a trailer that is scaled, right? Or she has like a like a place that she goes that's scaled. Right. Scaled furniture. Exactly. In the story. Um, so I wish we would have gotten some of that. Yeah, I I. I I uh, I agree with you on that, but the one of the things that works really well, and just like without having to have all that stuff, is that he is slightly taller than Clarice, and like that's something he points out to her. It's no, like, she points it out to him. She's oh, like, oh, that's right. Yeah. She's like, oh, look at that, you're taller than me. Like to make him feel a little better about himself. Yeah. So like, and that you know it boosts his confidence in that. And then we see another sequence when he comes to meet her again in a park, and you know they're having a good conversation, and he he's writing the book of his life. And he's letting Clarice read some of it. And she's like, oh, it's very good, Scott. You know, like, I think you're doing a great job. Please keep on going. And, you know, she gets up to, like, they were both going to leave or get lunch, I believe. Yeah. And now she is slightly taller than him. So he has that moment of, like, oh, no, it's continuing, which is, like... That it just it rips your heart out, yeah. right? Like it's just because the serum was working for a little bit. Yeah. Well, it slowed it down at least. Yeah, and then that's when we find out, like you know, he goes wandering off, and like uh, it's just the whole sequence. Then when we catch him later, uh, this is another one of those those, those um, segments that I wish would have lasted a little bit longer. Was that we we see him in like a scaled down like in an area that's scaled to him, and he's trying to make a shoe, <laughs> like. <laughs> or something right and then we find out that like because he's in a dollhouse that's beside the staircase and when his wife uh walks down the staircase his whole house shakes because it's a dollhouse and it's a really really great effect i wish we would have had more time with him and her interacting with him in the dollhouse right yeah and you know i i like this reveal i think it worked out really well for yeah it was fun moving the story along um because you don't need all these little micro events to get to to where we are now. <laughs> micro events, yeah. Uh, and so, like, I mean, like, even in the book, she comes home and shows the 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 house to Scott, and he's like, "I don't like it." But then he gets really comfortable in it too, because again, it's to his scale. It gives him a, like some amount of like a normal life. Yeah. So it, it, he becomes. It really is like this psychological tale for scott throughout the book i it analyzes that a lot more in the book which i think that's why i like it a little bit more but uh nonetheless um so yeah so we have uh the sequence where he he's in the house and um 
Luis is uh, Luis is gonna uh, Luis is going to she's gonna go to the store. Yeah, but she leaves the door open for a bit, and the cat gets in. You know, and it's like now that the cat is much larger than our our character, he like this thing like the the sense of scale, and just like how this cat just just wants to get at him in this house. It's a great sequence. It, it was very effective. The way they do it, like, I mean, the the cat looks pissed and it looks like it wants to just claw at him. And the sequence of him running across the floor and how it tags him a couple of times, like, it all works really, really well. And it's like, um, so, like, uh, you know, they did, they don't do this a whole lot because it would be, it'd be funny, um, like in the movie Ant Man, where you have all this action going on and the camera pulls back to like a regular, like, view of the location and you just see, like, tiny things going on. It's like, it's funny there. I'm glad they didn't really do that here because we're with him and this cat, it's like, you know, this, this is hell on earth for him right now. Right. It's like, it, it is harrowing. Yeah. And I think that with them not scaling out and like pulling back and showing the rest of that, that carnage, it's about to unfold. No. You are seeing through, Scott's eyes basically you're yeah. you're going along with him seeing his plight yeah, like his, this is terrifying as his perspective shifts in the film ours does too right you know so like I think that's very important and and you know can this movie work if it was told like out of sequence like the book absolutely but I think this also makes you really on his side because you know the smaller he gets like the the bigger the world gets around us and we can really relate to his terror and frustration right so like i get that like the the brief bit of the lamp falling and disturbing the cat like it's like that's that's a pulled away shot to get the notion like the cat's like oh shit the lamp's coming right um but yeah it's like this it all works and like i i again for 57 there's a there's a lot of times where i'll I'll suspend my disbelief because i'm like there's limitations of filmmaking and you see the black outline with him with the way that they do some of the insert shots, whatever, like you get it. Right. But the lot of these effects still really hold up because they thought them out. Like we need like earlier, like when he was still like three foot tall or whatever, he was having a discussion with his wife and it's a split screen, but the eye lines between the two of them are spot on. Like I, that's such a hard thing to do now. Like I don't even know how they did it then. You know, to make sure that they were looking at each other, even though they were shot at two separate points. Right. We get this a lot in green screen and stuff like that, where it's like, how do you make those characters interact with each other when you know that they're not next to each other at all? Well, like, did you ever see when they were shooting the original Lord of the Rings, like the the first movies, how they did some of the the um, the distance between like um, Gandalf and like the Hobbits? Did you ever see some of that? Nah, like, I didn't. Uh, the, the the making of like the cart, there'd be in a cart, and they'd be supposed to be sitting side by side, where you'd see like um, Elijah Wood and um, Gandalf. What's uh, you know, Sir Ian e. McGregor, right? Uh, e. Not, e. McKellen. Not, McKellen. Ian e. e. McGregor. Yeah, Ian e. McKellen. Um, and you know, whatever he looks so much bigger than them. And then when you'd see, like you'd see the shake sequence, you're like, Oh, they're side by side. But when they would just turn the camera slightly, um, like the, the cart was built with like this weird depth perception thing where the actors were sitting so far apart from each other. But when they were in camera, they looked size relative hmm. to each other here. I don't think they did that, but it's like, it's just, it is crazy. Like I, something again, because they had like like for it was a decent budget for a film of this type at its time that doesn't mean it was a big budget because science fiction really wasn't the money maker you know like this wasn't where studios put their money behind 
So, which, you know, you mentioned The Silent Earth, which at the time when Jack Arnold made it was the most expensive science fiction film at the time. So with this, it had a very modest budget. So I'm, I'm, I'm really, 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 really impressed with some of the things they were able to do with perspective. So, And, it, you know, again, like you'd seeing these sequences and that through, uh, through like the side character, basically, like if you were like his sidekick, it really makes it makes you terrified, really. I think yeah. that like they achieved it really well. But uh, so we get all this and to finally get away from the cat, Orangey. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he has to go to the basement. And so he's on the other side of the cellar door and he's pushing the door against a cat, which is still this looks kick ass. I think yeah, like the cat does. reaching through and it like does. Tr- it looks it looks really it, it works really, really well. And yeah. then so finally, Scott, that gets, cat earned its cat Oscars. Yeah. You know. Um, he was, it was, it was method acting. He's like, Oh, I got to get the, I got to get the mouse. It's like, yeah, but the mouse, like, no, 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 no. I'm getting the mouse. He, he, you know, he was harnessing a little Brando on there. It was great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, Oh, Hey guys, everybody, orange is on set. He requests that you do not make eye contact with him. <laughs> so, so, uh, on the other side of the door, Scott gets thrusted off of the stair yeah. and he falls into a big box. And that's where he lays until... And that's like the last third of the film is him just now in the basement. Yeah, like so we, stuck. Yeah. we don't get to see him for a little bit. And we see his wife come home and she sees the cat <laughs> is licking its paws, but then also finds a little shred of Scott's shirt on and the she's ground. Like, oh, with, shit, the cat ate my husband. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, if only the cat would have burped and like just a single like sleeve would have popped yeah. out of his mouth or, or like something. a fedora. Or like something. a fedora, yeah. <laughs> it's like, this was Scott's favorite tiny hat. Like, why did that happen? Yeah. You know, like just, yeah. Uh, but I like how it just suddenly got the news broke around the world that like the, the shrinking man got eaten by a cat. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah like, lots of detail. I here. like how it's like he lived bravely and it's like he got eaten by a cat. Like, I mean, I guess if you scale it up and we hear about people being stupid and like, you know, falling into like tiger pits and stuff at zoos, I guess that's the same thing, but yeah. it's like, you got eaten by a house cat. I'm sorry, buddy. But it always works out this way too. And I have to, I have to think that this is so ridiculous. They're like talking about the tragic events and like, and he died by a normal house cat. And on to sports. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, oh, come on. Speaking of getting devoured. Nice segue. Know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, the next sequence here we get is uh, of Scott waking up in this, <laughs> the, you know, this like, big bin. It's, it's like Purina now recommends that you feed cats cat food, not tiny men. With our science diet of Purina, like, t- tastes like Scott, like, but not <laughs> Scott. Scott. Yeah. Minced. Minced Scott. Yeah. Um, but uh, so we get Scott waking up in what appears to be like... Small in size, big on flavor. Uh, like a rag box or something like that, where they throw, you know, extra well, she pieces. Was doing, she was doing like um, like hobbies, or like not hobbies, but she was doing sewing She was stuff. seamstressing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, by the way, can I, we're going to talk about the cake. The cake was shown when he was still like three foot tall. Right. And then we forgot about the crumb cake until he was like inch high private eye. Right. Which was like weeks later. Like, no. That, they, that, they don't make them like they used to anymore. I Paul. don't know. Like, <laughs> unless, unless you see her being like, oh, this is a Twinkie. And it's like, that will live forever. Right. Yeah. You know? This cake was in this basement for weeks, possibly months. And I'm just like, if I... I don't question the science fiction of a man shrinking because he got hit by glitter, radiation, and pesticides. I question preservatives of, of the cake. <laughs> yeah. 
Also, why would a tarantula be living in that basement? But whatever, we'll get there when we get there. Yeah. Um, I was like, that's an oddly specifically large, large uh, spider to be living in your basement. That um, I, I'm nuking the house if I find that spider. <laughs> I, if I'm Scott size or plain Terry size, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, the house is blown up. Yeah, no. Um, so, <laughs> but yeah, like the whole thing is he he has to like now forge out like a new life for himself. So this becomes like this and he's even of, smaller now too. Yeah, he, it's like it's like a post apocalyptic way land of him just like on the floor of the basement and the perspective shots and hearing the sound of the water drip off the radiator not radiator the water heater um that's not the water what is it yeah, the, it's at the radiator yeah, yeah. well no, no. water heater yeah water yeah, heater yeah water tank right well, yeah. anyway yeah um so that and then him finding the matchbox to to you know be like oh this is my this is where i live now like that would like but like at least at least the movie I think was smart enough to start with a monologue, like with a dialogue of him being narrating the whole movie. Cause that helps a little bit here too. I, I think sometimes um, movies, TV shows, twilight zone can over explain things, but we need to be in his head. Right. And like this, this I think was very effective. Yeah. And there's definitely moments of, of uh, quiet that you need because I think in him finding out where he is in this world, discovering where like he is on the food chain, really, which we're yes. about to find out. You need that silence because he's also like, what the hell's down here? Yeah. Because it's of a different scale now and it might actually be able to kill me. Yeah. And so that's where he's trying to like, you know, figure out his place down there. And then that's when we find the spider, which is a large tarantula. Um, and <laughs> it's like that at first it's like, it's, it's doing its own thing. But then, then, but Scott gets his mind. He's like, well, you know, I, I need to fight and kill this thing. <laughs> like, 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 you know, I think part of that whole thing, though, and maybe the book does this differently, is more like he's had everything taken away from him. And he's like, if this is my fight, I'm going to have it because I need to prove to something in this universe that I have worth and value. Well, there is a lot more struggle that he has with the spider in the basement. Because it isn't in the book, isn't it a Black Widow? It is a Black Widow. Yeah. And he actually meets this Black Widow earlier in the story, too. Um, he goes down to the basement and he's frustrated. Every time he has a fight with his wife or he just needs to like vent, he goes to the basement. And he's only probably about three feet at this point. And he takes a rock and he throws it at the like the wall. And that's where the, the spider is. And he actually breaks one of the legs off of the spider. Okay. So throughout the, the, the rest of the book, he sees a seven-legged uh, black widow coming after him. And it's constantly when he's like... He's looking for food. He's trying to find water. He's trying to figure out a way to get out of the basement. And then all of a sudden, Spider's like, what's up, dude? Remember me? Yeah. I'm coming back. Yeah. Like, I'm suddenly bigger now, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, you remember what you did to my leg? (laughs) You son of a bitch. Um, But yeah, like, he keeps on interacting with this spider. So it's like, it's far beyond all of these other events that he's like, if I don't kill this thing, I'm going to die. So... He's a brave mamma jamma for going up against this spider as soon as he does. But, you know, there is a couple of interactions when he 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 lets it go upon his way in first visit. But he knows that he has to eat. So he goes up for that cake, which is right by the, the spider spider's web. web. Yeah. And so he he has to face it again. And but there's like uh, there. I love his uh his ability to try to survive like he's he's making weapons he pulls out a pin yeah a couple of pins from a pin cushion one he uses as like a sword yeah the other one he bends to use is like a grappling hook uh to climb up and he uses some thread to kind of work his way up and that's all actually really really effective in this film uh because you really buy the scale and his ability to do that 
Um, and then like the paint stick when he goes to jump off of that, like that's all, you know, it all really, really works. It's just the, you know, but that cake has to be like dust by the time he gets to it. I don't care how small you get. There's no value. There. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, it's even better than what he was dealing with. And with, with the mousetrap, well, like the, yeah. like that, like I, you know, <laughs> as small. Okay. That's another thing too. As small as he is, don't you think he could have stood square right in the, 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 tri- like the actual trigger area and that, that the bar that would turn, like would flop over for the mousetrap would clear his head. Like he wouldn't get caught by it. Like he wouldn't get his neck broke. I think he would just be like, all this cheese is mine now. But I, whatever, like, but the whole thing when he finally gets that thing to, to snap and then the cheese flies off and falls in the drain is very like depressing. Like, you know, we've all lost cheese, right? But <laughs> it's usually just on the floor and I, and I can't eat it. I know like, I can't. Well, maybe He's like, <laughs> like, the cheese is wet. Yeah, like, the floor like, is gross and dirty. Yeah, that's why we have cats. Um, uh, they're, they're, they're amazing cheese cleaners, but uh, <laughs> cheese yeah. cleaners. Um, but yeah, so like when he's trying to deal with the spider in one, the one sequence, he's trying to get over and the spider comes down and fends him off, like pretty much like fights him away from the cake. And then we have to keep on going back and he's like, I have to face this thing. So that's when he finally goes ahead and he, he has this plan. He's going to drop it into the box that he has to keep. Like it's a ravine to him. It's huge. This huge, like big hole in a box or whatever. So he has his little hook thing and he throws it at the spider and he lands it in the spider. Like he actually is a, like gets the spider with it and he has the other, atten- uh, uh, the other um, part of the string, part yeah. of the string yeah. attached to a gigantic pair of scissors, which I think that's just a big pair of scissors in general too. Like I don't think I could use those. Um, <laughs> I'd have to get my mom's permission to use those. Um <laughs> So he drops and he he pushes the the scissors off to the side and in into the chasm there and all, all of a sudden the string breaks and here comes the spider and it's it's on him it's above him the fangs are dripping with venom and everything yeah. and, and it's bearing down on him what? and yeah, are tarantulas? I don't think they're. I don't think they're poisonous. Are they? Are they poisonous? They, they oh, are. Okay. Yeah, they're right. poisonous. I mean, like their their poison isn't the kind that would like do so much to a human. But what, but one that is like two inches tall. I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, would yeah. <laughs> but um, and it. I mean, the fangs are. I mean, if it bit you, you'd know. But um, yeah. So it's it's about to bite down on him, and that's when he impales the spider on one of his pins. And again, like this sequence is pretty drawn out in the book he's fighting this some bitch for a while and it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy but yeah it's just I, just with this though it works um like it's it's effective um i will say that i did dig that after this though like it look like the movie's a little disjointed like that whatever it's a like in terms of like pacing fine whatever but after he gets his victory he gets his uh his like really crumbly cake he's like oh, i was no longer hungry i'm just gonna go and like go towards the the like the grate that's like facing outside, and then he passes out and realizes that he's now small enough to walk through it, and he ends up out in the world. And there's this big like thing at the end about like I now feel fine because I know um, out there in the universe, God knows who I am. Like it's a very like statement of like no matter what happens, I know someone knows who I am. And it's like and that's so the movie ends like not on a, a hopeful note. But on a guy that sounds like he is like somewhat at peace with his situation, and that's your end. Like he wanders outside, 
Like, it would just, I, I know it wouldn't have happened, it would have been engraved, and like, and God knows who, and a bird just comes over and just eats him and just flies away. That would have been like, the bird just picks at him and just like. <laughs> he fights a sparrow in the book, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure. Yeah, he's but, like Godzilla, like or King Kong. Actually, that's a better analogy there. He's more like King Kong because like throughout the movie of King Kong, he's like fighting all these different things. Like, yeah. just leave me alone. I'm trying to eat. <laughs> no, it just would have been funny. It's just like a bird just comes on, just picks at him, and that's it. Like, that would have been the end of your movie. But like, and I know God knows gone no um but uh yeah that's that's it man but i I gotta tell you like this movie really bothered me in a good way like as in the movie's effective i just because the idea of this being diminished like and just knowing that like even these trying to find like a drop of water and then like whenever the you know the water heater uh busts open it becomes a flood for him and how he's trying to yell out to like his wife and she can't hear him like it is just, it is just depressing and sad. And like it, like that is, I guess for me, it's like, um, it, it obviously will never happen that we'll never start shrinking as people like that. But I'd prefer it would be like the thinner situation where I just lo- I lose. And then the gypsy curse is taken off. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah, all right, I'm at the, my ideal weight. Yeah, it's like, Oh, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. You know? I, can, no, I, can, no. I can fit medium shirts. I, again. Yeah, Stop. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so, uh, but yeah, this like where you have no control and every moment you're lesser than is just, it is disturbing and bothering to me. And like, um, like, I don't know, just there's sequences here. Like the bet, the, the part where she's like, as long as you have that ring on your finger, you know, you're mine. And then he goes to like reach down that the ring just falls off immediately. You're like, yeah, a little too soon there, but my God, like, yep, there you go. And like, um, even the bit where he's like, kiss me. And she's like, you think I'll help? And he's like, you used to have to get on your tiptoes to kiss me. And now you don't. It's like, these are the things that like these, these couples have these like scare, like, you know, you're with your partner and you have to admit these things out loud that are terrifying, you know, like something is wrong. Like, God damn, this movie, this movie bothers me, you know? And like, and I think that's where it's still effective. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I, I kind of wish there, like, I, I wish there, there'd be a little bit more here and there. I don't know exactly where that would be, but I do think that if he was being exposed to the world for money, that I think we should have gotten some of that kind of exposure for right. a second. Uh, I mean, for God's sakes, even Audrey too ended up on a radio show for a minute to, <laughs> to tell people about this weird plan. Uh, and even like, um, I don't know, like maybe more of the frustrations of him trying to do day to day things, but he can't now. Because he talks about how he becomes more and more tyr- tyrannical around his wife because he's losing control and she and she is too. Like I wish we could have had more of like him, like I don't know, seeing him try to actually provide, you know, and then can't, as opposed to him just sitting there with his like like his um, you know uh, novelty oversized pencil or pen and writing in his notepad, which I liked when he threw it, and then you see her pick it up, and it's like this small little piece of paper. She's like, "Hey, you don't need to throw this around. It's just like, whatever." <laughs> I just there's a, like, but for what's here though, it's great, and it's a very. You mentioned the atomic age of like sci-fi, where it's like stuff happens, radiations, that's it, this whatever, right? Um, you could, you could have like, what was it? Them. That was the oversized dance, right? Yep. Great. Like that, you know, sure. Like, but it's ridiculous. This, it's so grounded in reality because of the gradual change and how, and how the doctors say, look, we've identified there's a problem. We know what is going on. We don't know how to fix it. That still holds a lot of water for me now. 
versus just being like, I don't know, science is magic and we can't figure this out. And I feel like this is a really emotional story. Like Scott's play is it is super emotional. You can very, very relatable going through the different uh, adjustments with Scott. It makes you feel that much more for him because it is timed out the way it is. But if you watch something like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, you're like, okay, well, the kids immediately turn to the size of bugs and now they're having to fight bugs. That's okay. Well, yeah, but how do we get there? Like, let's get to all of these other aspects of like emotions and like why, what their motives are to like want to survive. I mean, because we have enough information here about Scott and his wife and the relationship that they have. And it's really tight and they they love each other very much. And it's like, but if you would have like put the, the daughter in there, if you would have put Beth in there, they would have, that would have put that extra dynamic in there. And also what possibly he's having to deal with when I, by not being able to provide for her as her father. Cause there's a sequence in the book where actually Beth picks her up or picks Scott up and runs with him and hurts Scott really bad. And he's oh. like, it's come to that point now where I have to tell my uh, Lou that we can't, I can't be around Beth anymore. And that's an emotional sequence for him Jesus. as well. Yeah. Like I cannot be by my daughter because I know she's going to hurt me, but yeah. not by volition. You know, like it's not, it's like, just, it's just, she's unintentionally doing it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow. Like, yeah. I mean, I can understand why they, like it just, it would have been really, really hard to shoot some of that like with a straight face you know in terms of like 57 like I don't know how you could have done that and got away with it without looking like someone's just grabbing a doll you know and right. running around um, no this this really 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 works and it shows you where Matheson was as a storyteller and as an idea man and how like in a lot of ways this is kind of um, not that this was ever the intent and this is me just like attaching this to things that didn't exist yet but you can see how the like how this would be a precursor to the twilight zone. I'm honestly surprised after looking at this film that Jack Arnold did not direct a single episode of the twilight zone. It's very surprising. I didn't considering uh, he wanted to do like a lot of TV later. I mean, I just, I don't know why he wouldn't have been brought in, especially with Matheson, like working with him as a screenplay writer. Well, you know, to have dabbled into like the darker realm of, of uh, storytelling and that like, why not do uh, some Twilight Zone, like, yeah. what, or even Alfred Hitchcock presents? And I like he wasn't a part of any of that stuff. And I was like, you had a talent, man. Like you could, you know, what people can be frightened of. Like he was able to translate these. Like, it understood scale, and you know, like, yeah, there's a lot here that you're like, my God, like that could have been, could have been something. So yeah, I I adore this film. It's really really good. Um, I don't know if this is what I'm going to revisit often because it creeped me the hell out because yeah. that's what it's supposed to do. And, you know, however many years on now, like this thing is what over 60 years old, like it, it, it first time watch, it really bothered me. Um, so I think that's an effective, like if, if like, um, if something like, uh, I think I've talked about this on the show before, um, the, this was a few years ago. My wife and a friend of hers said, Paul, pick us a movie to watch. Like, just pick one. And I picked From Dust Till Dawn. They're like, what's this? I'm like, just watch it. Yeah. They had no idea what the film was. And watching when they got to the midway point and their minds just fall apart, I'm like, that's effective. That's the way this, you're, you should watch that film. Right? Yeah, right? Um, the, no the, no the, reference. The, the trailers and the posters ruined it. But yeah, right? No reference. Uh, but with this, it's like, I mean, obviously I know this guy's shrinking. Like, you can't, it's in the title. However, just some of the humanity here and the day-to-day 
And it just, it just, it got under my skin and really bothered me. And it's like, that shows you that if that bothered me, like how, like and you, you, um, you read the book and how much more there's there to that. And that just shows how, like, I, I love Matheson's writing cause it's very matter of fact. Like right. I love how approachable his writing is. Even when he gets into the fantastic, it's very approachable. Um, it just makes you wonder what thoughts were in his head that he didn't even put the paper because he thought about this, this like, you know, what's this mean to be smaller every day? You know, I, who knows, right? I, the only way I can equate it is that probably he was dealing with the possibility of losing your ability to be a provider and being a man. Like yeah. there's, there are sequences where Scott says, I, I'm not a man anymore. I don't feel like a man, which you know, whatever nowadays, I mean, that doesn't, you know, I, mean, I think we're, we're reading it that that time means a provider because a man's supposed to be the person that break, that takes care of the house and home at least, you know, 57, whatever. Yeah, it's a little dated. Yeah. Of a, I mean, you know. but the idea his identity was wrapped up in like, this is my wife. This is what I need to do. I can't provide. I can't be the head of the house. I am not a man. And Lou had to take up a job. Like he was the one that was supposed to be making the money and providing the, the, the lifestyle for them, for yeah. him and Beth, or for her and Beth, rather. And it's like, to take all that away, and now your wife has to get a job. And it's like, that, like, I see that Even narrative. in the late 50s, too, that is such an emasculating thing. And right. the view of society. Like, me, right. at that time, I'm not talking, you know. We're like, speaking towards that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's because that was supposed to be, at the time, a single, um, like, the man provides for the house and was able to take care of everything. And if a woman goes to work, then... Something's wrong, supposedly, by society's, like, sorry. All the white guys would be like, what's going on over there? You know, whatever. Like, what are you, what are you, what are you doing, you tiny guy? What are you doing? Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, this is just, it, it's just, it is, um, yeah, it's a good movie. And, and, and thank you, Carol, for recommending this, because I, this is a wonderful pivot from Twilight Zone, the movie, to this because it's also both maths and how, it's interesting because this is pre-Twilight Zone and the movie is post the series, right? So it's like we're getting these wonderful shades of Matheson, and that, and I'm always going to be that. Like, like I'm I'm a Matheson honk. Like I, I need to read more of his stuff. I've read some. I, I'm you know I've loved it. Um, you know he's maybe not as 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 big as a provider in the Twilight Zone as like Beaumont or, you know, uh, Clayton Johnson. Yeah, George Clayton Johnson. I think he provided more than Hamner, but you know, like he's in the in the mix, right? But. Yeah, this is this is my bread and butter type of sci-fi that I dig, and I'm glad that I'm glad we watched it. It was a, a great film, and it, it holds up really, 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 really well. Yeah, if you're listening, Carol, thank you for the recommendation. Yep. Yep. I've been uh, I've been looking forward to this for quite a bit. I I think if it wasn't for you, I was going to recommend it because I love this film, and I think I you think that the story is amazing too. So if you really thought this was emotional, Paul. Wait till you get to the book. <laughs> yeah, I should. Yeah, you might, I should. That, oh my goodness! There, yeah. There's your challenge. You did the the White Christmas to me last yeah, year. Yeah, This is your your uh, winter reading. <laughs> yeah. Well, then I will challenge you to read What Dreams May Come. I did. You know, okay, I did read go. it. Yeah. Well, that's a sledgehammer. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Great. Um. Yeah. Well. Anyway. So I'm, I, <laughs> we're gonna get to some more Black Mirror later. I'll. Um, <laughs> all right. So I got some trivia. This is all from the internet because now I don't have books to 
give me good knowledge here. I'm sure you have some information as well, Terry. A tiny yeah. bit, yeah. T- t- tiny information yeah. for this. So I just want to point out that Grant Williams, the actor, like he got injured so many times on the set of this movie. I felt so bad about this. Uh, June 22nd, he reported to the hospital with a scratch leg. June 29th, had to leave the set to be treated for an eye condition. July 2nd, he had to be driven to the hospital for further treatment of his eyes. Uh, was sent to the studio hospital with blisters and scratches from climbing the sets. Uh, yeah, well, a lot of that was barefoot, too. Um, due to Williams' injuries and some of special effect shots being too bright, uh, it, uh, the film was four days behind schedule and $25,000 over budget, which that's in 57 money. That's significant. So um, in regards to, um, like, actually, so before I get to the test screenings here, um, Scott Carey's closing soliloquy, like what he's talking about, like God seeing him, was added to the script by Jack Arnold. Um, like, for 57 the movie ends kind of still on like, kind of like, oh, he's never going to get out of this. So I'm fine with that. I, I love the ending, but I think that gives you a little bit of a lift of where, you know, no matter how small he gets, he sees his place in the universe. I think that's a fine ending. And I think that, you know, so I think, I think Arnold added that, but I think that's part of where, um, Richard Allen Simmons added some of that. So I think he wrote the soliloquy, but, um, so that's to my knowledge. According to Randy Stewart, uh, the wife, um, the film's ending had Williams return to his original size, which Matheson felt was the wrong ending. I agree. Um, Arnold argued with Universal over the ending. The studio wanted a happy ending uh, while he wanted the original ending that had been shot. Uh, you know, he had just made the creature from a black lagoon. So he had a little bit of leverage of like, Hey, screw you guys. I know how to tell a story. Let's just do this. Like hold my beer. I know yeah. what I'm doing. Yeah. So at a test screening to judge the audience reactions, um, it was said that, um, the audience review cards <laughs> said, what was it? Such as should have had a different ending, should have grown again. What happened at the end? Uh, and then on the overall quality of film, some comments included, can't you do any better? This is pretty sad. You scared my son to death. <laughs> this is an insult to the brain power of my two year old son. The film was released with Arnold's original ending attacked after it's released. Um, a manager of the circle theater and why, uh, way, Waynoka, Oklahoma noted audiences felt it was a good film, but that Carrie should have returned to his original size at the end. Well, well I gotta say this to you, Waynoka, Oklahoma. I've never heard of you, but screw you. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, yeah. what films did you make? Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, right. I know you have a musical it. with your name in it, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> but um, so supposedly Variety reported at the end of the year it grossed $1.43 million at the time, making it one of the highest grossing science fiction films of the decade. So that doesn't sound like a lot here, but you guys got to understand that like these, these genre films are kind of made to kind of like, there was, there were situations where a lot of it was like when, studios would release like their big a pictures they would make people take like their b and c pictures as well so if this thing made money then it's like gravy like we're while well, we made money on this but it was probably part of a bigger booking um like style and this is right on the cusp of like drive-ins too becoming right. a thing so they would always be like hey you want this movie? You're taking this one too. Like, yeah, so, so the numbers really don't reflect exactly how much with us would have made over over a span of time. I mean, if you hear you're talking about 1957 numbers, don't forget like they kept on showing in drive-ins and that later on. So yeah, because I mean, with films like this, it's like yeah, eventually it would play on television, but the, it, it like it would be re-released and re-released, right? Like they would just kind of run it over and over again. And, and again, this is me thinking like what they would do, especially for like drive-ins or like, you know, just film, like once you have the film, you can show it over and over again. So 
um, yeah, but I also know this didn't get like too many revival showings. Like it kind of had its run and then it kind of like went away for a while. So I think it made its money, but like no one, it didn't make a ton of money versus the other films that were of that time. So it just kind of got not forgotten, but it wasn't as um, celebrated at the time, you know, but now obviously, you know, with the internet and now that we have access to every single thing, like I rated this for three bucks on YouTube, uh, you know, you guys can spend $3 and watch this. If you've not seen it yet, um, spoiler, he shrinks, um, watch the film. Like it, you, it, you will be, you know, there, I, I adore straight faced science fiction and this is it. And you mentioned the day of the earth stood still like it's been forever since I've seen that, but it's like one of those things where it's like, it's one thing to be so serious when things are so goofy and it's like, I can't believe any of this, but the fact that this starts out the gate with like, we're going to ground this and the guy going to the doctors and they're like, Oh, I don't know what's going on. Like, like it works. So please, 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 please watch this film, pay three bucks. And, and unless you are, I don't like Terry. Cause or, you know. or yeah. Or you could be like me and you buy the, the like, it had five movies. It had tarantula on there. The mole people. Yeah, I found that for at our local convention for twenty bucks. But they're all great quality. <laughs> I, I did also hear like twenty four tarantulas died in making this film, and I felt bad about that because like I guess the light it was too hot. Oh, <laughs> and, like, I did not know that. Yeah, but it's like one of those things where it's like you just felt bad. But if you ever go watch um, that Shatner film, Kingdom of the Spiders, and there's a bit where they're running, they're driving through a town, and it's all tarantulas, and you see how many tarantulas get run over by a car, you're like, that's not special effects. That's just a bunch of dead tarantulas. <laughs> like it's, you just kind of feel bad, you know. But yeah, like different times. But hey, Orange the Orange the Cat went on to get another pet Oscar. So, um, no, like I'm glad that we watched this. This was a wonderful, uh, wonderful detour. Yeah, there's yeah. a ton of good films from the era. Uh, I hope to visit more of them. Um, and you know, and, and movies from this era are still relevant. I mean, there's still a commentary to them. Uh, another, oh, absolutely. Yeah. N- another uh, favorite from my uh, around this time, uh, the the Time Machine, uh, the Wells film. Um, actually, uh, one of our uh, one of our friends. Uh, uh, Ogoro. Yeah, for, he's covering it on his... He's doing a September on the Talk Without Rhythm podcast. He's been going back and looking at science fiction films. He's covering The Time Machine coming yep. up this week. So Yeah, so check yeah, out uh, uh, Talk it, Without Rhythm. His, his work is amazing, and he does it by himself. I have no idea how he does it, but yeah, he um, will be talking about that. Um, I look forward to listening to that episode. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, like, no, there, like, this was all like, this was like this one of those ones that shows that you could have legitimate filmmaking. Uh, straight face serious and until a, a fun story, uh, like a fantastic story. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that, you know, people were starving for a genre like this, right? Like these, these genre sides and, you know, and I just, it's a bummer that the people associated with this actually did a really, really, really good job, but they got shoehorned into this certain lane, which we've been as, as a film going audience and film watching audience now and studios are now like, yeah, typecasting still happens. Right. But, it isn't like it isn't like oh well, you did one science fiction film you're never doing anything ever again that's not the case anymore so thankfully we're past that but here it's like this almost was like a death knell for like them doing like a serious film it's like oh gosh they were this shrinking man we don't want them you know like like there was somebody that was actually offered a, a role in this the guy was like uh, I forget the actor's name but he's like he just did Robinson Crusoe and was like I don't want to be typecast as like a loner so he said no and I was like oh. Well, I guess you could you could take that that way, but like they stayed away, 
you know, whatever. So anyway, um, normally this is here where we'd rate the twist, but there really isn't a twist. The guy shrank. So I don't really think we could be like twist. He shrank zero. Like, I don't know where <laughs> we would do with that. Like, uh, ta-da, that's the name right there. So, uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about here before we get into I, what we're doing next? No, I, the only thing I would say is just, uh, if you have the ability to get a hold of the story, which if you have audible, uh, the story is free on audible. It's just called the shrinking man. So look that up. Uh, other Matheson, Matheson material is for free on Audible as well. So That must have been an active decision by his estate because they're probably like, hey, we've made our money. Possibly. Like, just, and yeah. thankfully for people out there that, you know, like, I mean, books are expensive sometimes, yeah. um, especially audio books. So I was very pleased to see that it was free So because I don't have m- very many credits. <laughs> right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, so go check that out. Um, so, yeah, uh, before we talk about what we're doing next. Uh, you guys can find us on uh, Strange Highways at uh, on Facebook. Strange Highways at Facebook.com. Strange Highways on Facebook. Uh, you guys can interact with us there. Um, we're always posting something silly. We're posting current photos of Twilight Zone, the movie there. Uh, I've been terrified. I've been trying to avoid pictures of a monstrous rabbit. That like I'm just like no, I can't do it. I don't want to do it. But I, you know, for you guys, I will. But yeah, that's where we're doing that. Um, wherever you find your podcast, rate and review us would be greatly appreciated. Like you know, Google Podcasts, um, Apple Podcasts, uh, podcasts are popping. I don't know, uh, bucket of podcasts. Wherever you find it, rate and review us and recommend us if you guys have been enjoying all of this. Uh, again, um, you know, if you like the Twilight Zone, we have five five seasons there. We have like it's all over the place. Like, tell friends. Please, please, please. If you enjoy this, the more the merrier. And Terry, how can people find us otherwise? Uh, if you go on Instagram, uh, we are we are Strange Highways Podcast on Instagram, and uh, we're posting fun stuff on there. Uh, it's, we some of it is it's been a while. It's been a while, but we are getting back to it. Uh, we get we get busy. You know, we just met Doug Jones in another state, so we've been busy. So we had to go see a fish man. We for had a minute, to, and it was amazing. The guy was a sweetheart, and yeah. we then we had to stop and not buy a peanut butter burger. That's what that's what our day was. Yeah, but we had fried pickles. Mm. We had fried pickles. They, they were they delicious. Were good. Yeah, so. But um, yeah, so yeah, please again uh, follow us on social media. Uh, recommend us if you, you know, if you like the jo- like like the, sh- the the Joe like if you like the show, let people know about it. So, uh, what's what we're doing next? Let, let's just get into that. And now, Mister Serling. So I just I I just want to always have that as my preview for what we're <laughs> doing next because I just it just warms my heart to have a very serious person say what's going on, and I am not Mister Serling. So um, for the next six weeks, um, we are going to be digging into the Shutter original series Creep Show because season three is dropping episode by episode uh, starting next week. And we, we talked about it and figured, you know, um, why not? Because Creep Show is a lot of fun. It's anthology based and we're getting closer to those Halloween times. And uh, it's also something that people Shutter is a very approachable streaming service. It's like what, like seven bucks a month or something like that. It's it. I it think it's less than ten, but either way, yeah. it's like you can still do the free trial and burn through a lot of uh, good stuff. They keep on putting new stuff up there. Actually, Elvira is going to have a special that's going to be airing on there soon as well. But yes, we're going to be doing some anthology based storylines. Yeah, and the cursed film stuff is on there too. We talked about last week. The the four or five episodes are up there too. If you guys want to check that out, and and the um, baby's still on there. The baby's on there as well. The baby. Talking to you, Richard. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And uh, Joe Bob uh, at the drive-in, you know, he he's doing his thing there too. So like, there's a lot of plenty. There's plenty of great content on Shutter. It's definitely worth the price. I, I mean, we're not sponsored by Shutter. It's, it's taken a while, but they're they're a great service. But now. if you're listening, call us. 
(laughs) But yeah, it's great. Uh, It's definitely worth the money. And I cannot wait to dive into this third season, would you, brother? Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's produced by uh, Greg Nicotero. Uh, like he, yeah, he's the one behind it, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and then, he, he gets a lot of talent on there. A yeah, lot of he does. Talent. Um, and so the the next episode is going to be season three, episode one of Creep Show. It's two stories. One's called Mums, uh, which I think is based on a, a Joe Hill story. I think that's from like Son of Stephen King. I then the other one's called Queen Bee. Um, I don't have a synopsis for either. Um, uh, but you know, um, yeah, we're, we're gonna, gonna find that. out. Yeah, well, like the one synopsis is just for the like is just for the one part of the episode. So whatever, we're gonna we're gonna get into this. We're not gonna know what's going on. Uh, Ethan Embry's in one of the segments, um, so I think we're gonna have a lot of fun with this. Hope you guys join us for that. Um, it's gonna get spooky and creepy uh, with some creep show for the next few weeks. But yeah, that's gonna do it for us this week. Have a good week. Have a safe week. Avoid glitter bombs and pesticides. I think that's probably safe to say. And if the cake is over three weeks old, you probably don't shouldn't eat it. Los Angeles today, a tragic story. The passing of Robert Scott Carey. The report of the death of the so-called shrinking man comes from his brother. Carey's death was the result of an attack by a common house cat, a former pet in the Carey home. 